Good morning. There's Susan Stauffer again. Chatter, chatter, chatter. There she is. Welcome to church this morning. My name is Terry Christensen, and I am your worship guide. Okay. Um, Sandy has just let me know Pat Dreyer, her sister, is in pretty bad shape, and we need to pray especially for Pat today. So we'll remember that at prayer time, too. Pat Dreyer. Um, I'll write it down for you. Um, so to the announcements, uh, cookie bakers. Uh, Lily and Faith is having their cookie and candy sale next Saturday. Uh, if you're baking or making candy, bring them to the church on Friday during office hours. Um, or from 6 to 8 p.m., someone will be here to accept the, your cookies as well. Uh, mitten and hat tree is downstairs. If you have any mittens or hats you want to put on that, they, be, they are distributed to needy kids in our district after Christmas. Angel tree is all taken care of, but your presents need to be here next Sunday, the 11th is the last tag, or last day. Please include your tag from the tree with the gifts. Do not wrap them. They will be wrapped later. Um, winter coats, Lillian Faith is accept, uh, taking donations of winter coats for kids that don't have them as well. And today during our service, we will have the Lillian Faith Circle 40th anniversary celebration. Um, there is an insert in your bulletin, and it looks like this. It says, Groveport UMC, Christmas 2022. Come worship with family, all welcome. These are all the things going on in our church during December. I'm not going to read them all. Please take this out and read it and attend what you would like to. We'd love to have you attend everything on there. Um, at this time, we are going to be blessed with the prelude by a uh, visiting organist all the way from Florida. Mark Stokes is going to play for us this morning. Uh, as we have the prelude and the lighting of the altar candles and the carrying of the cross.
going. It is an Advent hymn. Listen to the words really closely while you sing this. Lift up your heads, you mighty gates. God. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears my call to him. Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer sacrifice to the righteous and trust in the Lord. You may be seated. At this time, I will ask the Stokes family to come up, and they are going to be lighting the peace candle. It says in your bulletin the love candle, but that was a mistake. They're going to be lighting the peace candle this morning. It's great to be in worship with you this morning. It's an honor and a privilege to be presenting for the second Sunday of Advent. The reading today is from Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. A voice of one calling, 
in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Today we light the second Advent candle, the candle of peace. first candle reminded us of hope. The second Advent candle is the candle of peace, the peace that was brought to Joseph when he worried about his betrothed wife. The peace we seek in our hearts as we await the coming of Christ and peace on earth as announced by the angels. May the light of hope and peace burn brightly in our hearts all our days. Let us pray together the prayer found in our bulletin. O God of our ancestors, you stand as a sign for the people. You are sovereign over all the earth. Come and release from prison those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Amen. Thank you, Stokes family, for. Sorry. There we go. Sorry. For some reason, my battery pack is not working. I don't know if I put the batteries upside down or something, but it's not even turning on right now. So we're gonna go with this mic. Thank you, Stokes family, for sharing with us this Sunday. It was great to have you. And uh, Colleen has been one of our professional lighter candle lighters all year long. So she got to light a special candle this morning. We're excited about that. Uh, this time we're gonna have a special celebration, and many of you know the Lillian Faith. Uh, it's a special time for them, and we're gonna have uh, Charlene Nutter come and share with us some great news. Good morning, church. Good morning. As Pastor Jonathan mentioned, I'm Charlene from the Lillian Faith Circle. Recently, Jen Hurdle reminded us that 2022 is the 40th anniversary for Lillian Faith here at this church. So we thank you, Jen, for that. And I'd like to recognize all the members of the Lillian Faith Circle. So please come forward if you're part of our circle or you can stand in your spot, either way. You shouldn't have given us a choice. Yeah, That's I know. Right. <laughs> Susan, I see you sitting over there. A little bit about us. We meet monthly, September through July, and we also purchase the upper room, which you'll find at the back of the sanctuary every other month. We are ladies of faith. Each month, a member of the circle provides us with a meaningful devotion. We do fundraisers, like selling Buckeyes, a bake sale, or Christmas cookies and candy, or asking for your treasures for an annual rummage sale. In 2022, so far, we have donated more than $5,000 to charities. You'll see a listing of them in your bulletin, and you'll note most of them are local charities. We've not only asked for uh, donations, we're asking for treasures, such as things of gently used clothing, shoes, and now coats for those in need. These have all been given away free, and we thank you, church. We are ladies that have fun, whether it be making Buckeyes, treating ourselves to lunch, 
or sorting clothing and solving the world's problems. All of this, and we still follow our motto from 40 years ago, be generous and you will be prosperous, help others and you will be helped. That comes from Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. Happy anniversary, Lillian Faith Circle. Thank you, ladies, for uh, sharing that with us. It's working now, I think. Yeah, there we go. Batteries were upside down because your pastor is smart. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, for sharing that with us. We're so excited about the Lily of Faith and all that you all do. And uh, it's so great to see. I don't know, but it seemed like half the congregation stood up today. So that just shows you how uh, great of a ministry that it is uh, today. For those uh, maybe joining us online, hello to you. Those of the church, hello to you as well. Good morning, church. It's good to be with you. Uh, we're not sure. We're in and out on the, uh, the internet today, so... We're up at the moment, so welcome for those watching online and those our service and for those later as well. I do want to mention to you, uh, we're going to go to the Lord in a time of prayer uh, at this time. So at Prayer in Your Bulletin is a bunch of the different prayer requests. If you do have a prayer request, you can always send it in to prayer at groveportumc.org. And so we want to uh, just point you to that. You can always share that with us. Uh, so we did mention uh, before service that Pat Dreher, uh, one of our church members, is not feeling well today, so we want to lift her up at this time. Also, Prayer in Your Bulletin, you see uh, different bulletins uh, or different prayer requests, that is, that are printed there. We do have one praise uh, that was mentioned in our prayer sections, and that was that uh, uh, Courtney Hilbert's puppy, Darcy, had surgery this weekend, went well, and everything seems to be going well with that. So we're excited about that and an answer to prayer there. I do also want to mention to you, uh, as we look through this, uh, one big update for us is that Ann Martin is in home hospice at this time. The family is welcoming visitors. Uh, so if any of you all want to go visit Ann, uh, she was uh, alert and with it just the other day and uh, was welcoming anybody coming to say hello to her. Um, and uh, she would welcome that. I do want to mention to you also in our prayer time, uh, as you see everything else that's mentioned uh, there, we want to continue to pray for that. Uh, do you want to mention to you, again, that we had uh, letters that are going to be sent out. It should have gone out last week. Hopefully, we'll be getting them shortly. We do have an official church vote that's coming up, and that's going to be on January the 8th. That's a Sunday night at 6 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Uh, what is really important about that is we want to make sure we have all our member records correct. We have to turn those in uh, shortly to the conference. So remember, you can only vote if you have a membership at the church. So if you want to double check that, uh, there are some uh, official church records are here in the back table back there where the flowers are. You'll see a manila envelope. You can just look in there. It just has the first and last names. You can double check, make sure uh, that you are a member uh, of the church. And if something went wrong, let's talk and make sure we get that right so we can send uh, an official record to the church conference office. Do you want to just remind you on that, we do have on YouTube a bunch of different videos. Uh, I think there's six total that you can go and watch and uh, be as up-to-date and up-to uh, information from all different angles and sides that you can possibly be to make sure that uh, you know uh, how the Lord leads you to vote on that night. I do want to mention to you also uh, that uh, it's the second Sunday of Advent. It's the Sunday of peace. And so as we pray today, let's pray for peace for our world, peace for our hearts, peace for our, just everywhere in the world, everywhere we look, we need peace right now. So let's be diligent in our prayer for peace on this Sunday for us and for the rest of our world. Uh, last thing I mentioned is um, Altar Rail is open here today, so you can come up, and uh, if you have a special time with God, you're welcome to come and pray uh, this morning. Uh, just to update, I know you all have been asking me, my foot broke the toe, but it's in a weird spot where they said, just walk it off kind of thing. So <laughs> I can do anything that doesn't cause pain, but I'm going to preach from a, 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 a stool here today, just so you know, but uh, that's just an update on me. So let's go to the Lord now in a time of prayer. Thank you. 
our Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. On the second Sunday of Advent, where we come together, Lord, to, to remember peace. God, we know that when we ask for peace and pray for peace in our world, that so many times it must start with us. And so, God, as we hear today, though there's many things going on in the world, there's many things in our life, many distractions, both good and bad. As we hear, God, we take time to stop, to focus on you, to lift our eyes to heaven and to see you seated at the throne. God, once again, we accept your peace that's graciously offered to us for this day. Whatever we're going through, whatever trials we have, whatever hardships we face, whatever walls we encounter that we're trying to push through, God, may you bless us and have peace even in the moments, even in the hard times. God, we do come here today and once again remember the story of Jesus Christ coming as a babe, living amongst us, when the time was right, giving himself up for us, dying on the cross and rising again. God, remember the gift of the Holy Spirit and the birth of your church that 2,000 some odd years later is still alive and well. God, we do pray for us to always be in your spirit, to be filled with your spirit, to be led by your spirit, and to once again be the church to the community around us, that all people could hear the name of Jesus and proclaim this story once again. Lord, as we hear, we also pray for the burdens of our community, the burdens of our people. We pray for those, Lord, who are going through all sorts of hardships. We pray, Lord, for those especially that are grieving the loss of loved ones. May you bring them peace here today. God, we pray for those who are sick, those who have been given bad news by doctors, Lord, those that are having health struggles that continue on and may not have a cure. We pray for them. That even in these moments, they would have strength and healing, and that God, even despite whatever circumstances they find themselves in, that they could still bear fruit for your kingdom. God, as we're here today, we do lift up the many other prayer requests that are before us. We pray for those who are lonely, those that are isolated, those that are depressed, for our shut-ins, for those in active military service, for our first responders. God, we pray for our nation and its leaders. We pray for the world leaders. We pray, Lord, for an end to conflict of refugees being able to return home to their families. We pray for those whose family is very far from them. May you unite them in these days to come and bring them safely to each other. God, we pray for always your church and hope that, Lord, it would always be a light on a hill, a city shining on the darkness. God, as we're here today, we pray for ourselves that once again you would come and move in our life in mighty ways. God, may you bless each of those that come here this morning to receive a special blessing. May, Lord, may you feel your special touch upon them. Be with them and their family and whatever they need. Hear their prayer. Finally, God, we pray the prayer that you taught your disciples, that marks us as yours. We pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. <coughs> Thank <laughs> you.
come to the time in the service now where we can give some of uh, the gifts that God has given us, can give back to him. We have several ways you can give to the church. We have uh, on our website, you can access the Ezekiel Giving Program, which is our online giving program. You can mail a check here to the church at 512 Main Street in Groveport, and you can always drop an offering in the plate in the back of the sanctuary. Will you please stand for the doxology? Receive these generous offerings and use them to bring peace to our world. Amen. This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. The Way of the Cross. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I preach here today. <laughs> well, good morning, church. Good morning. And welcome to those online and those that will watch us later. Hello to you. And uh, thanks for being in our worship service here today as we continue to uh, lift up the name Jesus Christ in this Advent season. Again, uh, if you're not with us, we are in a sermon series. Woo! This is week two, and uh, we're in a sermon series that I wanted to kind of do something different this holiday season. A lot of times, um, these would be times we'd be focusing on specifics of the Christmas story, but I wanted to focus on the idea of what is so significant about Jesus coming to us, right? What is so big about that? And yes, we know that he comes and he forgives sins, he he comes and he washes us clean and all those things, but what practical things does that do in our life, even here and now? And so uh, last week we looked at this big, huge topic that was called guilt. And uh, if you didn't get to watch, well, hear that, if you ever struggle with guilt especially, uh, please go back and watch that. Uh, there were many things that were said that are, are especially of the gospel in that. I want to share that with you. But another big thing that is really a big, huge topic for us to consider and to think about how Jesus and his life, his, his death and his resurrection and his coming, and it's coming again, part two, if you will, what it means in our life, and that is shape. 
another big word that we hear and often think of. And so we're going to be talking about that today. But first, let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, shame is a powerful force. It's uh, something that is, is quite unique. And it's interesting in the history of uh, the Western world, a lot of times we deal more with guilt. But if you look at other cultures, a lot of times, actually, if you were to say guilt or shame, shame is actually something they deal with even more than guilt, which is always interesting. When I was studying in seminary, it was uh, people from all around the world. And uh, we'd always talk about how God forgives sins and all these things. And I remember hearing their story and their take on when God forgives sins. It wasn't just the idea of God forgave me, it was God forgave my community, right? And because it was this kind of idea of shame, and that really gets to the heart of what is different between guilt and shame. You see, guilt is when your conscience convicts you, right? Guilt is when you know you've done wrong, and I did not, you know, chop down that cherry tree or whatever it was, right? Right? And, and you know you did wrong, but yet you're, you're, you know, feel that guilt. And even many years later, sometimes when you try to make amends, sometimes that guilt even lingers with us. And we talked last week about how Jesus came to free us of that guilt, to pay the price for us. And shame is a little different. Shame is actually something that is not you. Shame is your community places on you, right? Shame is that idea of you have done something wrong or something the community does not enjoy, and shame is that idea of they put you in scarlet letters, so to speak. They, they put a clothing around you, so to speak, that makes you designated as someone who is either outcast or someone who is someone to look down upon, or someone who has done wrong, and we don't need to let them forget about it, or on and on and on, the idea of shame. Shame, shame, shame. The idea, of course, about that is, this simple idea is that we ourselves oftentimes feel that guilt, but shame is something placed upon us. If you ever think of that old uh, kid's adage, right, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can really harm me, right? I mean, it is true. That old adage the kids say, that words cannot hurt me, is untrue altogether. Words not only hurt, they can harm and they can scar. And the words that we say to each other and the words that we use for our children and how we bring them up and how we teach them to, to talk to each other is so powerful. Someone in my family uh, recently was uh, in high school and uh, just has curly hair. He let it grow a little long because it's kind of in right now to grow it long. And it was amazing. I had my sister ask me to call because he was dealing with just people shaming him because he had curly hair, right? The kids at school just teasing him to the point where he internalized it and actually was going through life and hurting over something silly like curly hair, right? We call that bullying in modern times and in ways we use that. But at the same time, there are things that we do. Sometimes we do feel guilty, but sometimes the shame of the community is also upon us when we've done something wrong. What happens to that shame? How do we deal with it? And how does Jesus coming affect that shame. Well, there's a simple truth, is that not only does Jesus take guilt from us, but because he's taken guilt from everyone, shame is gone. Right? There's no one who gets to stand blameless before the Lord. And so when we come and we are in church, there's no shaming that is allowed, right? When we're part of the community of God, there's no shame that can be part of who we are. And yet, Shame is often a vehicle that we encounter in so many other ways. It's what other people say about us or how they make us feel or how they act towards us that makes us feel and remind us of who either what we've done or who they think we are. 
It's amazing to think that Jesus came to take away shame. I think of the times he hung out with prostitutes, the times he hung out with tax collectors, and he didn't say, hey, you guys are not doing evil, but he came and he still was with them. The time he touched lepers, and let them close to him. Jesus took away shame all the time from people in his ministry and in his life. But it's interesting because when other people are also guilty and God forgives them of their guilt, shame has no place. Yet we still live in a world where shame exists. And here's the interesting thing. is Last week we talked about how Jesus is the only one who has the power to forgive guilt and forgive sins in that sense. Well, it's true that Jesus is the only one who can give shame to somebody, but yet our world still gives shame to people. Then that, how do we handle that? Because it is true that if people stop shaming each other, then it would put an end to shame in general, because that is technically true. Yet we live in a world where we know that's just not going to happen. Shame is going to be part of it. So how do we live as Christians in the midst of a world where shame exists? And especially when we live in a world where it seems like more and more shame is used to drive change in culture, change in the world, change for political reasons, change for different ideas and different things coming to be. And oftentimes I've been moved because uh, in recent years it feels a lot of times when you really kind of dissect logical arguments, a lot of times the argument is less a logical argument than it is a, hey, let's shame this person until they feel bad enough that they have to change their mind about something, right? And so what do we do as Christians? How do we work through a world where shame is going to exist and continue to try to change us and mold us? I'm reminded of one of those uh, good old pastor stories, right? There's a pastor story for you, right? There was a orchestral conductor, conducted dozens of symphonies and different events of their orchestra, and done all the time, and, and sought praise from the people, loved praise from the people, loved it, loved it, loved it, and so constantly was trying to do the best they possibly could. So he, every time he got up there and conducted the orchestra, he loved it afterwards, and the people would come and say, that was the most beautiful rendition I've ever heard of this piece or this symphony. So one day, his wife received a diagnosis. She had limited time left on this earth. One of the favorite things, of course, was for her to come and see her husband do this conducting of the orchestra. And so she came for one last time to the orchestral concert. And that night, the conductor got up. And some would say he played the music too fast. Some would say he played the music too strong. Some would say he played the music with too much romance or too much passion in certain parts and too much just this and that and little critiques and little critiques. The truth was is that night the conductor wasn't playing for the audience. The conductor was playing for an audience of one. Because he conducted the orchestra the way his wife liked to hear the concert. What I would say to us, church, in these times where sometimes it's just different voices competing in the world and different things going on in the world, one of the good reminders that we can remind ourselves is ultimately, when it comes rubber meets the road, do you play for a concert of one? And if that person is pleased with us, then who cares? The other voices don't have the power to put shame in your life. If the one who created this earth, the one who's redeemed this world, speaks to you and into your heart, says, well done, good and faithful servant, my child whom I have redeemed. That voice is in your heart. That's the one thing that matters. It's the story of how Jesus came. 
I love that story because it's so much it plays out what we see in Mark chapter 8 here. When he, Jesus is talking, so many times in this verse I get stuck in the part where he says, deny yourself and take up your cross. But he continues on with his teaching there. So not only do we want to talk about that and, and think about how the idea of how Jesus has called us to lay down our life and forfeit it, if you will. But then he reminds us these words. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me, and I love, the words of Jesus are powerful sometimes. It's like, Jesus, why would I ever be ashamed of you? When you think about Jesus and his disciples, they've left everything, and they're walking with Jesus. And he tells them in this moment, and he's describing to them, if someone is ashamed of me, and in their mind they must be thinking, Jesus, what are you talking about? Who would ever be ashamed of you? And yet, Peter himself would deny Jesus three times night in which Jesus was betrayed and then crucified the next day. Jesus reminds them those, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory. Of course, this one doesn't say it, but other verses talk about the idea that if we're not ashamed, if we're not ashamed of Jesus and his words, not only will he not be ashamed of us, but he will welcome our life and work through us to be blessings in our life. Remember, Advent isn't only the first coming of Jesus as a babe. Advent is the second coming of Jesus. To live with peace is a really sometimes hard thing. One of the things I've learned as a pastor, it was told to me in Simmering over and over again, and they tried to drill it in our head, and yet you hear it, you hear it, you hear it. You don't know it till you live it, but one of the things they told us over and over and over again is, hey, guess what, pastor? If you're a people pleaser, Wake up, because <laughs> you can never please everybody, right? You can't. And I would say as a pastor, it doesn't just go for pastors. It goes for anybody in any place, in any time, in any situation. You cannot please everyone. There's going to be some critique of what you do, or how you do it, or who you are, or what you believe in, or what you stand for. So if you can't please everybody, please the one that matters. Seek to please his way, what he calls you to. That's how we have peace in all circumstances. As Paul would say it, I have, I can endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. As we're here today, when we think about shame, remember no one has the power to tell you who you are except Jesus Christ. If your heart and your soul's desire is to please him, the rest doesn't matter. Walk with your head tall. Walk with your shoulders upright. Because Jesus Christ is with you. In the end, that's what matters. Let us pray. God, as we're here today, we thank you so much for sometimes your challenging words. Lord, we do recognize that many times in our life there are people that put words upon us, that say things to us. Lord, that maybe, uh, once again, try to get us to change who we are or what we were doing sometimes for good purposes or sometimes for bad. May God help us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because God, it is true that all of us need change. All of us need redemption. All of us need to be brought to you and away from the sin that entangles us. But at the same time, God, let your word speak into our hearts over all of us. God, help us just like that conductor of the orchestra. Look out, see the one in whom we're trying to please. See the one whose face is lit up with joy because we play the music 
to their liking. And when we do, the world is set right. So God bless us today as we celebrate communion and celebrate the peace that you bring to us and victory over shame, no matter who and what we are and what we are doing. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the night in which Christ gave himself up for us, Christ came and he took the bread. And he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, Christ took the cup and gave thanks to you. He gave it to his disciples and said, take, drink. This is the cup of my new covenant. Pour out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, in these your mighty acts, in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in union with Christ offering for us. That, Lord, we could be yours, be your children. As we're here today, Lord, we seek to please you above all others, especially as we think about this humble babe coming into our life. We remember, Lord, that you came, once again, to teach us not only right and wrong, but to save us from shame itself. And so God, be upon these gifts of bread and wine, that they may be for us the body of Christ, that we may be in taking it the body of Christ redeemed for this world. Lord, by your Spirit, make us one with you, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Until Christ comes and into this heavenly banquet, as we're here today, we once again give praise to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen. To those communion stewards that will be helping when you come forward at this time. And as they do, I want to just remind you a couple of different things here today. First of all, you don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a member of this denomination. If you're here today and want to experience Jesus Christ, you're welcome to take communion with us here today. The table is open to you. Uh, just know that uh, what we'll do is we'll pass around the bread. If you just hold on to that bread until everybody's been served, we will then take the bread together. And then finally, uh, we'll do the same with the juice when the time has come for the juice to be distributed as well. The table is prepared. Children, welcome to the service. Welcome to communion. And uh, let's now go to the Lord's table together.
Christ for our cross. Everybody enjoy it. Enjoy this. Then let us pray. Lord, thank you for proving your love toward us once again. Stand as you're able this morning for our closing hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem. title this looks like it might be a devotion but if you read the title carefully it's not a devotion 
This is about Jeff's journey with Jesus. And so I got a question for you, as you might expect. Have you ever had an uninvited visitor? Maybe in your life, maybe in your home. Hard to tell where it may have come along. In our case, I can tell you that we had uninvited visitors when we had raccoons in our chimney. This was very distressing to Mrs. Myers because the mama raccoon kept her babies in the chimney and she would come down into the fireplace and look out of the fireplace through the glass grates, trying to join our family. This was an uninvited visitor that she didn't care for. I have another friend who, if there's a mouse around her, she can, she can be like Superman, going from the floor to a chair in one move that you can't even detect. It's amazing. Another way that you might have an uninvited visitor. Well, I have an uninvited visitor in my life, and it's a health one. And it seems that I've earned my C card. Now, that doesn't stand for a sports team from Cleveland or Cincinnati or even from Columbus. No, it stands for that health condition that some people call cancer. I've been dealing with a rash uh, on my skin since last year and some lower leg swelling on my right leg uh, since the spring. I was diagnosed with, a, uh, with eczema by a dermatologist after a, uh, a biopsy and uh, that was diagnosed in May. They put me on a medication. Uh, after four months, I was literally no better. In fact, I was probably worse with the rash. And uh, they decided they would re-biopsy me, re-biopsy me, I'm sorry. And uh, what they were hoping to rule out was not ruled out. In fact, it was confirmed. And that was a condition called CTCL. Now, what is that? Well, I didn't know what that was, but I've learned. And CTCL is a form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. CTCL specifically stands for cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. And the type of CTCL that I'm dealing with is a condition called mycosis fungoides. I kind of like the fact that fun is in the title of the diagnosis that I have. It's a specific, it's this specific type of uh, cancer affects about a thousand people in the United States each year, so it's pretty rare. In fact, it is on the National Organization of Rare Diseases. I've got that going for me. It's indolent, meaning that it's slow progressing and unlikely to affect lifestyle. Now, unlike most cancers that where we're dealing with a mass that can be treated with surgery or chemotherapy or radiation, we can't do that with this particular cancer. This cancer is one where some of the T cells in my body, as part of my immune system, are simply abnormal. Now these abnormal T cells have a propensity for attacking the skin and creating a rash that looks much like eczema. In fact, in many cases, eczema is what people are treated for for five or six years before they're finally diagnosed with CTCL. The primary symptom that I've dealt with and is usually dealt with is just simply itching. And excessive scratching uh, can cause abrasions of the skin and those abrasions and open wounds can offer an opportunity for infection to take place. On, this, on Wednesday of this past week, we had a visit at the James, uh, met with a hematologist and a dermatologist who, could, who deal with CTCL regularly. And I'm not going to go into the details, but suffice to say that we have a plan, treatment plan, and are moving forward with that. So some of you would say, well, what's the prognosis? Really, what you're asking is, are you going to die? Well, it's a reasonable question. The answer to that is, yes, I will die. That's part of the human condition. 
excuse me, but I will likely not die from this. Second, you might ask, are you still working? Uh, yes, I'm still working. I've been working through this for the last number of months. I plan to continue working. Um, other than the annoyance and aggravation of the itching, uh, the annoyance and aggravation of the lower leg swelling, and some of the discomfort of the open wounds, I really feel pretty darn good. In fact, I feel great. So right now, we plan to work and not have an issue with that. Know that this is not contagious. So if I happen to touch you or you happen to touch me, you're at zero risk for contracting this. It's important to know that I claim victory over this in the name of Jesus Christ the day of the diagnosis. Uh, and I have faith in that. Um, and whatever the outcome, uh, he'll carry this through to its completion. Uh, many people in my life have dealt with cancer over the years, and many have survived it quite well. Um, and they face this health challenge with courage, uh, with bravery, um, and a number of them are in this room. And uh, they are, they have been an inspiration to me in my life, uh, even before this diagnosis. And they have my admiration uh, for how they have um, faced this challenge. And I expect to follow their example and uh, deal with this in a, uh, in a way that uh, a faithful person should and can uh, face this. Uh, so that's, that's where I'm at on that. I expect to live my life as I have, um, following their profound and powerful examples that I've seen and witnessed. We know that while this is an incurable cancer, uh, from everything that we've read, it's a very manageable cancer. Uh, unlike my wife and many of you here in this room, um, this is not a cancer that can be behind me or, you know, in many cases of you folks here in this room, you, you, if the cancer is behind you, you're over it, or you believe that that's the case at this point in time. And that's not going to be my story. My story will be, until I pass, that I'll be living with lymphoma. So it's just a different thing, and um, my hope and expectation is I can do that for a very long period of time and be an excellent example, as many of you have been, uh, of dealing with a, a health challenge and coming out uh, with a stronger faith in God. So this simply becomes another opportunity uh, to bear witness to God's power. So, no tears, no upset, just know that that's something I'm going through and a challenge I'm facing, and we're going to face it with uh, courage and bravery, as many of you have, uh, as you've inspired me in, last, in previous times and previous years. And as always, I just simply remind you, God loves you, and so do I. Thanks for paying attention, and we look forward to uh, spending time with you in the future. Thanks so much. Uh, Jeff wanted to make sure that his church family were the first people to hear that, other than his immediate family. So, my understanding is it's now public knowledge, Jeff, and so feel free to talk about it uh, at this point. But uh, let's pray for Jeff. Jeff, you want to sit back there? You want to come up here? What do you want? To, you're going to stay there. Okay. It's behind you, but you can just kind of do this as if you're reaching your hand behind you, so you don't have to actually reach that way. But why don't you just uh, kind of place a palm towards Jeff in this time? Lord, as we hear today, God, we pray for Jeff hearing this news and working through it. Lord, uh, we thank you for his ministry. We thank you for all the things he does for our church, especially, Lord, as a lay leader, one of the co-lay leaders of our church. God, we know that there's many important things that he's helped us through and continue to do those in these days. Lord, we do pray once again. You are the great healer. 
So God, we do ask for that blessing because, Lord, we remember that you ask us to ask for it. So God, we do pray for Jeff in this time, that you would show yourself once again, that power even over illness. Lord, for all those ways in which sometimes you say no or not yet, Lord, we do pray for Jeff in these times that, Lord, he would be filled with your spirit, that, God, even with his health conditions, he would still be able to bear much fruit for you, do good things in this world, especially for your kingdom. Be with him and his family. Help him through any of the hard times, any of the itching and the swelling and the uh, inflammation and all those different things when they happen. Help us, Lord, also to be the church family that unites around him and loves him. Hear all this. Jesus' name. Amen. With that being said, church, let's uh, stand and let me send you out with a benediction here today. Remember the words of our Lord who said, Do not be ashamed of me, or I will be ashamed of you. That same Lord, when we aim to please him, looks down upon us and says, My good and faithful servant, my child whom I have redeemed. May those be the words of your heart and in your faith, now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.